To make sure millions of people are getting paid on time and in compliance, ADP is staying on top of each new piece of legislation. So when it comes down to it, ADP isn't just a payroll and HR company. We're the company that helps you navigate complexity. Learn more at ADP.com. As some places ease lockdowns, considering lessons from the flu pandemic of 1968, which came in multiple waves. The deadlier second wave of the epidemic, of the pandemic, had hit most Western nations before vaccine was widely available to sort of prevent people from getting ill. And the two very different stories that stock and oil prices are telling about what a recovery might look like. Plus, professional baseball in action in Taiwan with fans made of cardboard. It is Monday, April 27th. I'm Mark Garrison with The Wall Street Journal, and this is What's News. Some states are taking steps to ease shutdown orders to varying degrees. Alaska, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, and South Carolina are among them. Some public health officials have cautioned against moving too quickly. Italy plans to gradually end its lockdown starting next month. Hard hit by the pandemic, it has some of the strictest rules of any democracy. Manufacturing and construction will lead the reopening, followed later by shops and museums under certain conditions. Italy's government warns that a resurgence of infections could force the return of restrictions and schools won't reopen until September. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is back at work today after recovering from a coronavirus infection that included intensive care treatment and a two-week recovery period at his country residence. I want to thank you, the people of this country, for the sheer grit and guts you've shown and are continuing to show. Every day, I know that this virus brings new sadness and mourning to households across the land. And it is still true that this is the biggest single challenge this country has faced since the war. And I in no way minimize the continuing problems we face. And yet it is also true that we are making progress with fewer hospital admissions, fewer COVID patients in ICU, and real signs now that we are passing through the peak. Several developing countries are partially easing lockdown orders, including India, Pakistan, and South Africa. Some public health experts worry that it may be too soon because some of these countries may still be in an early stage of the spread. President Trump is backing Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar after the Wall Street Journal and other outlets reported this weekend that some in the administration were discussing his departure. The president tweeted in support of Azar, and we are reporting that he called him yesterday to say he wants to to keep him in the job. Azar retweeted the president's support and defended the administration's handling of the pandemic. Right after this, why stock and oil traders are placing very different bets and why it matters. There could be a sharp rebound when the economy opens or a sluggish return to normal. Which scenario is more likely may depend on what market movements you trust most. Right now, stock prices and oil prices are saying very different things about what a recovery could look like. Markets columnist Mike Bird explains. So firstly, what we've seen in the equity market is a fairly rapid rebound from the very, very low sentiment seen in mid to late March. That's particularly been in the U.S., particularly among the biggest companies. And that's very, very divergent from what's happening in the commodity market, where you saw those headlines a couple of weeks ago about uh, oil actually heading into negative territory. So 
what's being seen in the commodity markets is expectations of very, very low demand, especially in the near term, but prices have fallen a lot further out as well. What you're seeing in the equity market is very different in the sense that people are expecting what has been referred to as a V-shaped recovery. One of the reasons for that may be that the equity market in the US, the S&P 500 in particular, very, very dominated by the large companies, which might be expected to do better out of this. They might have better access to finance. They might be able to take some of their competitors' space after the uh, lockdowns are lifted. That may be one of the reasons that they're showing different things. But to be honest, the sentiment in the two markets is very, very different. It's very difficult to see a set of circumstances where both of them end up being correct about the economic fallout from the coronavirus. We've got an exclusive story on WSJ.com right now about how the Fed effectively helped save Carnival as the cruise industry was devastated by the pandemic. We are reporting that in March, the company needed billions to keep going, and it looked like the only option would be high-interest loans from a group of hedge funds. But then the Federal Reserve launched a massive lending program that jump-started the bond market. Days later, Carnival raised billions from bond investors with much better terms than they faced before the Fed stepped in. Carnival is just one example of many companies that have raised money following the Fed's intervention, even as some policymakers wonder if the Federal Reserve's actions may have unintended consequences. After a quick break, what we can learn from the 1968 flu pandemic. Moxtra provides businesses with their own client interaction app for today's digital age. Your app will be a one-stop hub, keeping your clients in continuous connection with your business from anywhere. Manage your team to effectively respond to clients all from within your app. Get your one-stop app at Moxtra.com. Governments are considering reopenings, and scientists are working on treatments and vaccines, and many are looking to lessons from a past pandemic. We're going to 1968, the beginning of what would be known as the Hong Kong flu, which killed more than a million people. Of special relevance is how the virus peaked twice, with the second wave much deadlier than the first. Scientists are trying to understand if this pattern could happen with the coronavirus pandemic. Our correspondent, Boyan Panchevsky, spoke to J.R. Whalen. So, Boyan, can you take us through the timeline of the Hong Kong flu and the eventual rollout of a vaccine? Well, basically, it was first identified, isolated by scientists in Hong Kong, and that's why it got its name. And this was July 1968. However, most researchers assume that the virus originated, the outbreak originated in China, in mainland China. And bizarrely, one of the first big cities it engulfed was Wuhan, which is also the origin, obviously, of the coronavirus. As soon as this was reported to the WHO at the time, the World Health Organization, scientists scrambled to create a vaccine. And because this was a flu, they were successful quite early on. Within months, they had a vaccine. Although in those days, it was difficult to scale up production. So it took actually quite a long time before vaccines were readily available everywhere. So in fact, what happened was the deadlier second wave of the epidemic, of the pandemic, had hit most Western nations before vaccine was widely available to sort of prevent people from getting ill. How did the spread of the second wave of the Hong Kong flu differ from the first wave? Well, that's a very interesting question and perhaps one that could teach us some sort of frightening lessons about the current pandemic. Essentially, the first wave in most countries were relatively mild, which might have given governments at the time confidence that 
this is not something they need to worry about. And the flu is, as we know, a, a seasonal uh, virus. It sort of comes with cold weather and then goes away uh, uh, with the onset of, of warmer uh, weather. Essentially, that's what happened. And then in the in the winter of 1969, the, the virus hit hard. Countries such as Germany, West and East Germany in those days, uh, Great Britain, France, and they suffered actually the, the highest mortality rates uh, during that second peak. The big unknown with this coronavirus, it's not a flu virus, it's a coronavirus, so we don't know how it will behave. But there's a great concern among, among experts. And I think, it, you know, it's almost a concern census among experts I've been talking to and reading about that there will be a second wave because the lockdowns have prevented a so-called herd immunity from taking place. Herd immunity is when a sufficient number of persons in a community get the virus and then become immune to it. How many people were killed by this virus? That's very difficult to establish. The, the estimates globally range from 1 million to 4 millions. Uh, and the reason for that is because in those days, people didn't really keep data the way we do today. There was a state of emergency in, in New York City, or as they called it in those days, a state of great peril was declared in December uh, 1968. And ultimately, 100,000 people died of the virus, but we don't really have reliable data. And the estimates go, you know, 100,000 people in, uh, died in, in the United States, about 30,000 in the United Kingdom, about 30,000 in, in France, and uh, up to 60,000 in both parts of Germany. In West Berlin, for example, um, so many people died in the winter of 1969 at once that um, authorities had to temporarily store the corpses in the metro, in the underground tunnels. In other parts of Germany, they had to recruit garbage collectors to bury the dead because there were too many dead to bury and because undertakers themselves were affected by the epidemic now, you know, of course, during this time, 1968 to 1970, there weren't as many news outlets as we have today. But even with that, this pandemic did not receive the news attention that you think it should have. It's quite funny because I had some feedback from, from older readers who, who do have vivid memories of, of the Hong Kong flu and were reminded of it by my article. And they said... Oh, you know, it was it was not in the news, and uh, because because there were all these huge tectonic shifts being reported by the newspapers, people also lived with certain diseases that we don't have today anymore. For example, tuberculosis or or polio, and basically the medicine wasn't as evolved as it is today. That was correspondent Bojan Panchevsky speaking with J.R. Whalen. That is the sound of professional baseball, and it's not historic footage. That was a game yesterday. Taiwan's Baseball League is currently offering some of the only professional sports of any kind being played in the world. Naturally, there are no fans in the stadium. Major League Baseball and other sports leagues around the world are watching to see how it goes as they plan their own moves. A lack of spectators does make things awkward. One interesting attempt to deal with this, filling some seats with cardboard cutouts of fans wearing face masks, of course. 
We are here to answer your questions about the coronavirus pandemic. Call 315-992-8298 and leave your question on our voicemail. We will have our reporters and experts get you answers. And that is what's news for this morning. If you like our show, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with another updated episode this evening. And there's always more on WSJ.com and our app. I'm Mark Garrison with The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening.